Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. That's pretty close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. And uh, we thank you for being loyal listeners and supporters of our pod as we've gone through the entire regular season. It's winding down. We have some great races for different uh, rewards i should i guess we can call them uh, in both sides uh, but the the eight participants we went through in the east are all set up the west there's a couple of battles for for playoff contention but uh, it's going to be fun times in a few weeks aj i can't wait to get started but we have to we have to throw some accolades to a couple of veteran players who uh, have announced the end of their careers ryan getzlaff of anaheim ducks is calling it a, a, a career He's been one of the more decorated Canadian-born players in the last 30 years in the NHL, winning at every level, including internationally. And Marian Hossa pulled the plug on his career officially, though he's been on LTIR for a couple of years. And uh, he's, they both are Stanley Cup winners. They both have great resumes. And I don't think it'll be long before they make it to the Hall of Fame, AJ. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, what a, you know, with, uh, with Geslaff's announcement, I was kind of curious, like, all right, who from that 03 class is still still in the league? And boy, man, there are some names on this group, even, you know, even including guys that, that aren't still playing. But among uh, guys from 03 who are still in the league, uh, Ryan Sutter, Jeff Carter, Zach Parisi, Brent Burns, uh, Corey Perry, Patrice Bergeron, the best pick in the draft, Marc-Andre Fleury, like just <laughs> – Quite a class of, of 03. And even looking, you know, guys that aren't still playing that that recently retired, uh, Eric Stahl, Shea Weber, although I think technically Shea Weber is similar to Marion Hosa. He's not officially retired yet. David Backus, Corey Crawford. Um, you know, they're just a ton of a ton of big names in this uh this draft class here and um really speaks to you know all those guys, but gets laugh as well for how long he was in the league and the fact that he played the entire career with Anaheim, uh, it says a lot too. And I always find it funny that he's been around so long that he was actually drafted by the Anaheim mighty ducks back when they were, uh, the Disney spinoff team before dropping the, the mighty there. So, um, yeah, what, what a great career for him. Uh, great class. And then, yeah, Marion Hosa, a uh, little weird to you know have him uh, officially retiring now, but he's already in the Hall of Fame because <laughs> he's already been done playing long enough. So Hall of Famer retires from NHL. Uh, probably haven't had that headline since uh, Mario Lemieux retired the second time. But uh, yeah, really some some great players that had some great years. Absolutely, and uh, you're quite right to point out the situation on House of One that we don't see every day. But with LTIR, we're going to hear more of these stories going forward, I think. And uh, I wonder if one of those candidates could be a Carey Price. I mean, he's been out all season long, partner, and he's just started skating with the club again. I guess he wants to try and get into a game or two before the end of the regular season just to ease his mind in the offseason and really gear up for the next year. But he is going to be one of the key guys among the uh, players players we're going to hear notes about in the offseason about where they're going to play next year because there's no guarantee he's going to wind up in Man- Montreal. I don't know if he wants to be part of the rebuild there 
or wants to go to a contender. And the same thing, Montreal's point of view, do they want to wait and see and carry that contract when they're really at a full-on rebuild? It's just one of a number of storylines. But there's another interesting one off the ice that bears watching that I uh, was made aware of uh, over the past week. We've got a lot of coaches with an interim tag or in the final year of their own current contracts Two of the bigger names among them, Marty St. Louis in Montreal and Bruce Boudreau over in Vancouver, that are, I think, among 11 coaches, if I heard it right, that are are not tied to their clubs beyond the end of this season. We could see a real free agent carousel over here. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I said it off air. The Habs would be insane to not re-sign Marty St. Louis. Like, they, it would just be dumb. The, there's no better way to put it. It would be, well, it'd be the most Canadians thing that that club could ever do. Like Cole Caulfield has been phenomenally better since Marty St. Louis took over, like clearly has benefited from that. It just, I, I can't imagine why they would, why would they do that? Um, I'm not high on Bruce Boudreau if I'm being totally honest, but you know, the guy bounces around, he's good for a couple of years, then he gets let go and doesn't win anything. So I, I prefer new coaches getting new opportunities. And, and Marty St. Louis, to me, is one of those guys getting a, a new new opportunity. I agree with you. And it's kind of interesting that you put them against one another way that you did. There's the new guy in in terms of not part of the old boys network. And then there's the guy who maybe is the face of the old boys network because as you say Boudreaux has bounced around the NHL for a number of years he's one of the winningest coaches in hockey history but as your point is correct in in noting it's regular season success as opposed to playoff success but uh, nonetheless it'll be interesting to see where he winds up if it is in Vancouver and what happens to some of the other coaches who have that interim tag or are winding up a commitment based on their current contract we could see a flurry of activity behind the bench to match what's going on uh, in terms of the rosters that we'll see in the offseason. So just another another layer of movement that we can cover in our summer series of pods, AJ. So more more material for us, and that's always good. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, we'll swing into our regular routine. Routine. We've got a couple more weeks where we're going to talk about all the 32 teams in the NHL, but after that, it's playoff country, and we'll pare that down and get more do a deeper dive into the remaining clubs. But... For, for another couple of weeks, we'll talk about the teams in the A's we always start off with, and we'll start with the Anaheim Ducks. They made some news with an altercation this past week, AJ, where there was a scrap, and one of their players got his head kicked in. Troy Terry got beat up by Jay Beagle in, in a very one-sided scrap, and it was because Beagle noted that the Terry took a poke at the goalie's pads in a 5 nothing game in the last two minutes of play. He didn't think it was necessary. The decision was already locked up. And, and why why these guys continue to go for goals? Well, I hearken back to one Wayne Gretzky. And uh, if the score was 9-2 to two and he was on late in the game, he was going to make it 10 and never let up. And, and there's a school of thought now that when, when the game is done, let it wind down and don't try and pad your stats at that point. I'm, I'm on the Gretzky camp, though. The clock is running. The game is on. Let's keep playing. That's what I like to see. So that's a little sidebar note. You can react if you wish. But in terms of what's gone on on the ice, uh, worth noting that Trevor Zegras continues to pile up points himself. He got two more goals. Troy Terry, the aforementioned injured victim in that altercation, three assists. He's had a very nice year. But I'm happy to see for them that Cam Fowler has really continued to be a, a scoring threat from the back end, picking up three points 
every team in the league looks for a power play quarterback. The the Ducks did deal one at the trade deadline in Hempis Lindholm. That only gives Fowler more opportunities to do what he's good at. And so uh, that's why it's worth noting. If you get a chance to get a guy like him in a holdover league, he's going to have some value going forward for sure. In Arizona, it's all about the injuries for, for this club. There's just so many guys banged up right now um, to varying degrees. Christian Fisher, Clayton Keller, Larson Krause. Um, you talk about, you know, Jacob Tishrin, uh, Yanis Moser, even uh, some of their new signings, their, their collegiate signings, like Jack McBain picked up an injury. They just cannot stay healthy. Uh, in, in Nets, we are going to see Hari Satari make his, N- uh, well, not NHL debut, his uh, Coyotes debut. Previously played in nine games for the Panthers back in 27-18. So it's been a while since we've seen him in the league. The Leafs attempted to bring him back before he was swiped away by the Arizona Coyotes. So, on, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's really the biggest news for Arizona right now is, um, yeah, they had a 1-0 and two weeks, so no regulation losses, um, but a non-playoff team that's, just trying to stay healthy enough to get to the end of the season. They're giving some younger guys a look um, thanks to all those injuries uh, like, uh, you know, uh, Cam Dean on the, on the blue line again, Sateri in, in the nets. So uh, we'll see how all that shakes out for them this year. And um, you know, if any of these guys can make enough of an impression to crack the opening night roster heading into next season. AJ in Boston, there was some troubling news for a team that is finding itself in a real uh, tussle for second or third in this Atlantic division. They may be without David Pasternak for a while. There's no real update on his status. He left uh, a couple of games. uh, In the last game, he didn't play. He left early in the previous one against Columbus. And so we are waiting to hear uh, what the situation is with him. I've heard whispers that he could be done for the end of regular season. But might might be a cautionary play by the Bruins just to make sure he's healthy when the serious shooting starts. Ditto for Hampus Lindholm. Uh, there's a, something of a knee issue with him. And again, it's very clouded in terms of what information we're going to hear regarding potential injury. But that might be the ticket that, that relegates Boston to that fourth place spot in this division. It might turn out to be a good thing for them because then they do the crossover and in, in face uh, the the Metro- Metropolitan Division champs looks like Carolina uh, will be that team, but Carolina's kind of owned the Bruins all season long, so it might not work out for them uh, at all uh, with this troubling situation. On the ice, they, they have a situation in goal where the goalies are taking turns being a bit iffy. Ulmark, though, led the way with two wins and three goals against, so he was the better of the two when Swayman had been the better of the guy of the pair in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jake DeBrusque has had a very nice run of late with four more goals and two helpers in a top six role. He's been getting a lot of time with Marshawn and Bergeron to pad those stats. So as long as he's there, he's going to be a great VFS value play. Ditto for Eric Halla, who's got a real grip on the second line scoring role. He added four goals to his marks. And uh, I'll mention Brad Marshawn because I'm going to lift the embargo on that name. (laughs) Only because I think he should have got suspended again this past week with a sh- another shot, a uh, body check that looked like a headshot in the game uh, against Columbus. Uh, on the same play, the Bruins wind up scoring on the turnover. So awful situation there. And uh, we know that Hampus Lindholm 
has is dealing with an injury, but he'd been a decent fit. Finally, he's starting to chip in offensively with three assists. Charlie McAvoy is the guy that's making noise on the back end though, and though with six assists, and he's been their power play linchpin back there, and that's that's a unit that's been humming along. And uh, Taylor Hall has really enjoyed playing with Pasternak. He might be a victim of his absence, so keep an eye on that because he put up another four points while he was playing on the opposite wing to the Bruins' top sniper. For the Sabres, they got some interesting uh, goalie news over the last week here as Devin Levi, their kind of, I would argue, their top goalie prospect, is going to go back to Northeastern University for another season. I think that will only uh, further serve the team uh, to try and get Craig Anderson to spend another year there, uh, let Levi play uh, collegiately a little bit longer. Now, generally speaking, you know, a 20-year-old netminder is not going to jump right into the NHL roster. Um, but when you consider, like, Buffalo's other options, they're they're pretty light here in terms of netminding. I mean, they've got Tokarski, but he's also set to be a free agent after this season. Um, they've got uh, Lukanen, who I have been not super impressed with. He's a restricted free agent at least this season. But then Michael Hauser and Aaron Dell – are both set to hit free agency as well. So there's really just not a ton of options that they have, at, at least organizationally. Now, of course, they could go out in, in free agency and and do something there. But, you know, um, it really does seem like right now Levi is, is their best choice. Originally drafted by the Panthers uh, in 2020, uh, was part of the Sam Reinhardt deal. So kind of an interesting News for them. Uh, they do have Eric Portillo in the organization as well. He was a third-round draft in 2019, but I would personally put uh, Levi ahead of him in terms of, of ranking them out. On the ice this, this week, not a bad week. Two and one was the record. A pair of wins for Craig Anderson, and that included a victory over the Carolina Hurricanes in the uh, Battle of the Andersons, obviously spelled differently. Um, they'll go, those two teams will face each other again tonight. I wouldn't hold my breath on Buffalo getting another win there, but it is going to be anti-Ranta between the pipes likely for, um, for Carolina. So it's, it's possible the Sabres could steal another one here. Um, definitely a team to watch in terms of, you know, daily contests. If they have the right matchup, they've been playing a little bit better of late and really led by, by Tage Thompson, who had, uh, four points in, in those last three games. AJ, up next, we talked about the Carolina team that I hinted at earlier on with the situation in Boston. It's a team that has only won four of their last, looks like, ten games, and, and they're not looking good doing it. They were one and two again in the past week, losing games against the Sa- uh, game against the Sabres, and certainly their win against Montreal might be discounted a little bit just because of Montreal's standings. I guess they're playing a little bit better, but still it's a low-ranked team that they they managed to beat and they lost a, uh, against Minnesota a quality outfit uh, to account for their other decision last week. I want to talk about a little bit about Jesperi Kotkaniemi. He's out of the lineup. Looks like he'll miss uh, the rest of the season with an undisclosed injury. That should close the books on his fourth campaign in the NHL. 11 goals, 15 assists. I hear that he's trying to negotiate a long-term deal with Carolina that's going to start with a four in, in the million-dollar digit range. And he's in his fourth year, AJ, and he hasn't really shown me anything in any of the four years. Just flashes of stuff for a guy who was a top 
high-end draft pick. This is a team that has to think about him. They have to think about Vinny Trocek. Is a guy who's got a contract coming due on a big ticket. So basically, it's going to come down to a decision between those two guys to see who's going to come back because Stahl is on the books for another season as well. The, the decision might require Koskaniemi, if he returns, to consider being shifted to the wing uh, to, to fill out the roster that way because I think their depth at center, if they bring Trocek back, won't leave space for this guy. In terms of what happened on the ice this past week, like I said, they went one and two. And uh, the, the thing that's positive that I'll note is Jacob Slavin, one of the better defensive defensemen in hockey, has had a very nice offensive season. And we saw more of that last week with three helpers on his ledger. Sebastian Ajo and Toivo Teravainen continue to lead the attack with three points apiece. And uh, they're helped by uh, uh, Svechnikov, a young guy in his sophomore season who picked up a couple of goals as well. So the offense is doing what they need to do. Freddie Anderson's been great. I think they're still going to be a tough out when the series two starts. Well, Paul, I will just uh, point out that uh, if you head over to rotowire.com and underneath uh, Jesper Kotkanemi's uh, kind of stats, left shooting, uh, height, everything, it'll say show contract there. And it'll say he signed an eight-year, $38.5 million extension with them uh, in, in March here. So you're right. That is a, a four, $4.8 million tag uh, on them, which actually, oddly enough, if you recall, he was signed – on an offer sheet. So that's actually down from what uh, his, his cap hit was previously at 6.1. So, I mean, from that standpoint, they're saving some money, but I agree with you. I was surprised that they committed to him for another eight years. Um, It's, it's an okay price tag, I think at 4.8, but uh, I was surprised the long-term commitment. He is only 21. So um, you did hear right that, that there were rumblings (laughs) of that contract. Um, I still think that's way too much money, AJ, for him. He hasn't he hasn't shown me that he deserves something almost five million a year. That's crazy money for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, when you're paying him less than you were, I guess that's a, a win, right? <laughs> um, so for for Calgary uh, news out of the week, Sean Monahan going to be done for the year, uh, undergoing season-ending surgery. That you know, the thing with Monahan is like he'd been a healthy scratch lately. I was having a hard time really even breaking into the the lineup here. So um, from a from a fantasy standpoint, it's, it's not going to have had a huge impact on the majority of, of fantasy players just because of that. And then as far as the week goes, 2-1-1 one, and one was the record here. Jacob Marsham has now appeared in eight straight games. He's 4-3-1 over that stretch. And we talked about this earlier in the year when you started like uh, let's see. It was, uh, let me pull it up here. He started 19 of 20 games in a row. They did use, give him a little bit of rest, but now coming into, you know, late March and into early April. Now they're starting to, to ride him, uh, pretty heavy here. And it's, it still surprises me. I mean, I know they obviously don't feel great, um, about Dan Vladder, it could be more too that uh, maybe Markstrom just wants to play that much. But you got to give a guy a little bit of rest, I think, before the postseason uh, to avoid any sort of drop. But you know they are trying to hold on to that first place spot in the Pacific. Edmonton is is right there, so uh, I guess that's the plan. But I, I definitely have concerns about his his number of games played right now. 
AJ, I'm concerned about what's happening in Chicago. They are on a five-game winless streak that coincides with the departure of Marc-Andre Fleury, and their goaltending has gone south. Defensive structure has gone south. They have given up three, five, four, six, and four, five goals against in their five outings uh, in the current winless streak. And uh, Kevin Lankinen can't really be faulted. There's not much of a defensive structure in front of this poor young guy. So he's been exposed as the last line of defense, but it's not on his shoulders. It's a team that really is suffering defensively, and they got to get that act together before things can improve. Certainly, they spent a lot of money on Seth Jones, but he can't be uh, the answer by himself. They've got a lot of weakness on the blue line that needs to be addressed primarily. But I also don't like the contract that they took on from Tampa. I thought Tyler Johnson was going to thrive in this environment, but he's had a very poor year, only... Three points in 17 games played. He's on the books for a couple more seasons, too, if memory serves, AJ. And so that's not a real good look for the for the Chicago Blackhawks. They got trouble there. They got the two big contracts with uh, Taves and Kane that still have a little bit of term left on them. I think it's one more year for each of them beyond this one. So it looks like uh, they'll be soon in a, in a major rebuild situation. But you wonder if one of those two big, big names is moved somehow in the offseason. That's probably the biggest storyline that we can talk about at nauseum for the Chicago team over the next few weeks. For Columbus, look, uh, you know, I, I don't want this to sound like a, a goalie show, but uh, I, I think the big uh, thing to talk about here is Elvis Mars Lickens is going to start again tonight. That's going to be his eighth in a row. Um, and he's taken both sides of two back to backs over this recent stretch. Um, which is a little surprising. Like uh, I'm, you know, I, I know, you know, Jean-Francois Berube, like he's not your goaltender of the future. He's 30 years old. Like I, I get that, but you don't really have anything to play for. Like, why are you overworking Merz Lickens down the stretch here? Um, you know, he has only played in 49 games cause he did have some injuries here. But for a guy that's injury prone, why are you having him play both ends of back to backs? It, it, it's kind of confusing to me again, you know, we're obviously not in the locker room. Like we don't know if Merz Lickens and, and Markstrom are asking for these starts and really pushing to play more. Uh, that's certainly a possibility, but for me, it, it just seems questionable to, to really push that um, on the blue line. They did get Wierinski back in the lineup. So that's good news for them. He's got a goal and an assist in two games back nine shots in those two games. So really returning to the very productive player he's been for much of the year. He'll continue to highlight that number one power play unit. And he, he needs just three more points to tie his rookie numbers, which uh, would reflect a career high. He's already got his fourth 40 point campaign in six years. Like I think because he's on Columbus, Wierinski probably gets under, under talked about in my opinion. I think he should get more credit um, for being one of the best offensively gifted talents uh, in the NHL. And part of it, as you you mentioned, Seth Jones, I think with Seth Jones um, in Chicago now, Wierinski's been able to step into probably a bigger role um, and clearly has, has succeeded so far. AJ, you got a, probably more of a good look than you wanted to of the next club we're going to talk about. The Too good of luck. <laughs> they are on a current four-game winning streak. They took a pair from your favorite club most recently, and they did it without Nazem Kadri and their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, out of lineup. Both players are expected back for the playoffs, but I don't think we'll see either one before that. 
uh, Landeskog underwent a minor knee surgery procedure that was deemed minor and not one that would keep him up for months that we're used to hearing when it comes to the knees and shoulders and things like that. But they are optimistic they'll get both these guys back and they're not missing a beat without them. So in their stead, uh, it's notable to see what they've done in their lineup. And that means Alex Newhook has been a, a guy that was promoted to second line center. And then JT Comfer's moved up in class two on the right wing on that second line. Arturi Lekkonen, uh, recently acquired from Montreal, is fitting in on the left wing on that second unit, so it looks different from what it did for much of the season here. And Valerie Nachushkin is a guy who uh, was holding a top six role for a long while, but his DFL DFS value will take a hit as long as he's relegated to third line with Cogliano and Nico Sturm in that grouping. So uh, until they get healthy, uh, maybe a little less DFS value, maybe a little sneaky good DFS value play from, from the second and third lines here that wasn't there earlier in the season if you're looking for a Colorado stock going forward. The Stars have been uh, dealing with some injuries. No, Nobody, none of the like huge big names, Jacob Pedersen, Dennis Gurianov, Essa Lindell, all three of those guys will be uh, out of the lineup uh, tonight, have missed a couple of games depending on, on who. But otherwise, you know, some of the bigger guns have, have stayed healthy. And that's probably the biggest story for them this last week is in their last four games, your leading point producers for Dallas are Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben. Like, it feels like we have not been able to say that for a very long time, in part because Joe Pavelski has been so productive for them. But also, you know, Sagan and Ben have struggled um, for, uh, for a lot of the season, at least compared to what, I know I and many others uh, have come to expect out of them. So good news for Dallas that those guys are starting to roll. Um, no word yet on when, if Braden Holpe might be back. Uh, Scott Wedgwood is going to get the start tonight, and then they do have a back-to-back coming up as well. Um, so he could, you know, obviously, you know, most teams will split those back-to-back, so he'll likely see – uh, two of the next three games for them. And they have two more back-to-backs on the schedule before we're done with the month of April here. So we could uh, see a good deal of Wedgwood. He's going to need to stay on his game if they are going to hold off Vegas, Vancouver, Winnipeg uh, for that final wild card spot uh, in the West. I've heard whispers, AJ, that Braden Holpe could be is likely done for the season. That was one of the reasons that they acquired Scott Wedgwood. So we'll, it remains to be seen, though we aren't reporting it on our website just yet. But uh, little whispers are, have come out here in Toronto that he might be done for the rest of the season. So we'll watch for that. Uh, Detroit is a team that's uh, had an up-and-down week last weekend. It's been a terribly down season for them again but uh, they showed some signs of life when they beat up on Boston and Winnipeg two teams that are trying jockeying for playoff position they lost their games against Ottawa by identical 5-2 scores oddly enough so a very strange week uh, in a very strange season for this team but it bears noting that Dylan Larkin has somehow managed to be retain his point per game projection that I had from at the beginning of the season 67 points in 66 games this is, this is a guy that i got a lot of time for as a, a real good leader type and a guy that gives it every night, and uh, he wears these losses on his sleeve. And uh, After the back-to-backs against Ottawa, he just looked like a very despondent guy, and, and uh, things turned around later in the week, and he was central to that uptick. So uh, kudos to him, and he had five points on the week, but he was also assisted by one guy who's going to be in the serious discussion for rookie of the year. And that's Lucas Raymond with another three points to his ledger. 
Philip Ronick is a guy who has kind of been overshadowed by Moritz Sider on the blue line, but they've got now two very good offensive-minded defensemen who can will patrol the power play for this team for the next several years. Ronick picking up four assists, no slouch in that department, and could be really good, sneaky good DFS value when this team gets a favorable matchup going forward. Gagne hit a milestone with his 500 point, point of his career last week. That was a highlight for uh, Sam Gagne, a veteran of the NHL. He's got 27 points on the year, so you know... Things are winding down in terms of his level of production. They haven't been spectacular for a few seasons, but at least worth noting that he did hit what is still a coveted milestone in the NHL. The Oilers are currently on a five-game winning streak, but I do think it's important to note that of those five games, you're talking about games against Arizona, Anaheim, San Jose. Now, of course, they did get wins against L.A. and St. Louis. Both of those were one-goal wins, so tough kind of gritty wins against uh, you know playoff caliber teams. But I, I wouldn't get too excited uh, if I you know if I were an Oilers fan based on that that five-game win streak. Obviously, the biggest news and concern is that Leon Dreisaitl is dealing with an undisclosed injury and was unable to play on Tuesday. I have not seen word yet on whether or not he'll be cleared to play in their next one. They do obviously have Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's pretty much foregone conclusion as a player that would take over in that second line center role. Um, so it's important to you know check back on rotowire.com, see if dry saddles in, because that's going to directly affect not only his fantasy value, which is obvious, but Nugent Hopkins. Um, and really the third line, because if Nugent Hopkins is playing on the third line, I think it makes some of those guys a little bit more viable uh, in terms of their their DFS and, and even season-long productivity. Um, or do they move Nugent Hopkins to the wing as they have before and, and keep him with dry saddles? So definitely going to want to check back, see what those depth charts look like, uh, depending if he does come back into the game. Offensively, you know, it is – it's the same story, different day. Connor McDavid, four goals, two assists in his last three games. Evander Kane continues to play really well, five points in those last three. Getting production on the blue line from Tyson Berry as well, four points over that stretch. So um, they seem to be getting decent net mining. They seem to be able to win games in a shootout. Obviously, they've got two of the three players that have hit the 100-point mark. So they're going to be able to produce – uh, and, you know, the, the question is, what can they do in the postseason? Can they, you know, get past likely looks like Los Angeles right now um, would be their first round opponent, could potentially be Vegas if, if the Golden Knights could play their way into third there. So a lot to watch in the final, you know, 10, 11 games of the season here for the Edmonton Oilers. AJ, all that you said about Edmonton can apply to Florida. It's remarkable when you were talking about <laughs> what I wanted to say about Florida. They're coming off a five-game win streak. Two of those games involved them coming back from four goal deficit, deficits. That's been something that's very rare. What, what teams did they beat in one of those, Paul? I think there's a team, what, they were, they were down by four or five, then they came back to beat somebody, but I can't quite remember who, Paul. New Jersey. It was New Jersey. Then they had <laughs> Had another game against Toronto later in the week, and they did the same thing. <laughs> and you know what, AJ? I wear these losses like a tattoo. There have been 22 such situations over the last 17 years, I think I saw, 
and the Leafs have been on the wrong end of four of, of eight of them. So more, almost half of those instances have happened against the Leafs, and I, I think I can remember all of them. They were nightmarish uh, events every single time. So that's what Florida's got going for them offensively, but it certainly masks what's going on in goal in the last couple of weeks. Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight have both been lit up more than they have been during the regular season. Bobrovsky's one loss record, in fact, is is not an honest rep- representation uh, in total when you consider he's only been saddled with six defeats. There could be a few more, including two, those two comeback wins uh, on his marks. But uh, it just shows you that this team is going to rely on offense just like the Maple Leafs will. And uh, if those two teams meet, I'm taking the over every single night. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> in terms of what went on on the ice, it's interesting to note that Barkov and Huberto have been separated all season long in terms of the regular lines that they play on, but they do meet up on the power play, and that's a special unit that accounted for much of their scoring the past week. Barkov with five goals, five helpers. Huberto with three goals and six helpers. Both those guys on 100-point paces uh, if they were playing a full slate of games. I know Barkov's dealt with injuries, so he won't reach the, mark, reach the mark, but Huberto has already done so or will do so very soon. I should say. So uh, that's what they got going for them offensively. But I think it masks what's going on in that. And, and nobody's really talking about that except for me right now. Well, over in Los Angeles, the Kings had a two and one week. Um, the loss coming to, to Calgary. So obviously that a, a slight concern, although so did the win. Um, all three of those games, one goal victories uh, either way or, or one goal losses, as it were. Uh, so really had some some tight contests against some really good teams. And I think showing, uh, you know, what they can do here offensively. Adrian Kempe has been leading the way, had three goals and two helpers over that stretch with one of those goals coming on the power play. Anse Kopitar with four points as well. And in the Nets, I think perhaps most interesting, Cal Pedersen took all three of those games. Uh, We are potentially going to see Jonathan Quick tonight. Um, That hasn't been totally confirmed, but it seems to be trending that way. But at this point, I would imagine uh, come, you know, first game of the postseason that we would see Cal Pedersen, not Jonathan Quick, as the starting netminder for the Los Angeles Kings. And A.J. in Minnesota, they're proving to be the team that we thought they would be after they picked up Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, before they picked him up, they were on a winning streak, but they've only lost two games out of their last 11, it looks like. And uh, boy, oh boy, they've solved their problem in the Nets if there was one, but they've got maybe... But arguably the best tandem in the Nets right now with Talbot and Fleury manning the cage. And they could alternate those guys all playoff long and likely not miss a beat between the two of them. They've had very good seasons, and they're wily veterans that uh, hold up their end of the bargain night in, night out for any team they play on. And they're looking good in Minnesota colors this season. In terms of the offense, it's it's been humming along. They've one of the top-scoring teams in the league, led by Kirill Kaprizov. He's a human highlight reel waiting to happen and padded his numbers with three goals and two helpers last week. But Joel Arison X has had a very nice breakout campaign and has continued to pad those numbers with two goals and one helper. And Matt Zuccarello, one of my DFS darlings all season long, is still churning out points, four points on his marks uh, last week. Jared Spurgeon not mentioned alongside the league's best scoring defenseman, but he, he is a guy that is the linchpin at quarterback on the Minnesota power play. And and yet I find him underpriced more often than not relative to some of the other big guys in Minnesota's lineup. So when you see a mismatch featuring this wild club, don't hesitate in uh, putting Spurgeon into your DFS lineup is what I say. 
Well, you mentioned Carey Price earlier in the show, and um, I definitely think we're going to see him at some point here. He's going to travel with the team for the next two games, won't play over that stretch, but the fact that he's going to make the trip, be practicing with the team, I do think sets him up to return here at some point uh, in April. I don't know if it's going to be as early as Monday's game against Winnipeg or if they'll use him. They do have um, a back-to-back on the 15th and the 16th against the Islanders and Capitals, which could be an opportunity to use him. So I think it's kind of an important thing to watch there. Uh, you know, Carey Price watch, as, as I'm sure all of Montreal has been doing uh, for, for the entire season. Injuries uh, have been an issue with them as well. Uh, Jeff Petrie is out. Uh, Paul Byron, Jonathan Druin's uh, been away from the team uh, as well. So they just, you know, they can't seem to stay healthy. Um, good news for them. Cole Caulfield had a really good week. And like I said, has just, you know, since the coaching change, has really been phenomenal. I mean, you look, let's see, since February, um, came back up in February, 27 points in 26 games, including 11 power play points. And what better way to, like, get the most out of a guy who stands, you know, all of 5'7", than having Marty St. Louis as his coach. So it clearly is working there for them. And I think that aspect alone to get your 2019 15th overall pick firing on all cylinders, I think that alone should secure a more uh, long-term contract for Marty St. Louis. And the long-term contract is what Jack Hughes has in his back pocket. But sadly, he's going to be missing the rest of the regular season with a knee sprain, deemed a low grade uh, MCL injury. And they're taking no chances with our, arguably their most important piece. So uh, owners for Jack Hughes can pack pack him in for the rest of their uh, season and season play in DFS or fantasy. Um, Igor Sharangovich uh, moved back into the lineup a few weeks ago and is continuing to thrive as a top-line winger that goes under the radar. Very good value in DFS play when he gets a good matchup. He got four goals last week. Dice Mercer is a guy that bears watching too. He's got a new situation now with Hughes' injury. He's going to be the guy that moves back into a top six role. And Dawson Mercer is a great DFS value play. He's got 40 points on his ledger in 70 games played. And I think the numbers would be higher if he played more six, top six minutes earlier in the season. So he's been a very good addition to what is looking like a more credible offensive attack in New Jersey when all hands will be on deck. In terms of their back end, they're still without Mackenzie Black, Blackwood in the Nets. He's skating right now. But Nico Dawes is a guy that is getting a lot of starts in goal and has looked okay, I'll say, and uh, comes in cheap tonight. I'll, I'll tell you one thing, AJ. He's facing Montreal, and I'm leaning toward taking him in my DFS net uh, minding situation because of that matchup. So he could be a good value play in certain spots. I'm counting on tonight for sure. For Nashville, uh, kind of a slow week, just two games, one and one. Uh, Very inconsistent week for them when you consider that loss came to Buffalo in a a one-goal game. But then they bounced back from that with a 6-2 win over Minnesota, which obviously is a much better team. And uh, perhaps most importantly, a division rival. Um, We'll see how far Nashville can climb in the standings. They've got a little bit of work to do if they wanted to catch St. Louis for the third spot, 
They do have a game in hand, but trailing by six points. Um, But perhaps most importantly for them right now is they're ahead of Vegas by two points with three games in hand on the Golden Knights. So really a good spot for them to be in. The offense is producing the guys that you want uh, are, are the ones scoring three goals, two assists in those two games from Ryan Johansson. Duchesne and Forsberg, both with four points. Roman Yossi continues to do everything he can to, you know, etch his name on the Norris Trophy already with four points as well, or three points rather in those two games as well. Um, you know, if, if there's a criticism on this team, it's maybe that the scoring doesn't come from really outside of the, the you know, top six here. Um, but they've got some some options. They obviously have defensive scoring and have been getting solid net mining for much of the season. And the New York Islanders, they're led right now by Brock Nelson, AJ. He's producing another one of those Cy Young records that we see from time to time in hockey where the goals are way up above the assists. 33 goals, 17 assists. He's reached the 50-point mark once again in his career, playing second-line minutes over here. And so that's that's some of the good news, the scoring tear that he's been on. But the bad news for me is that he's actually outpaced Matthew Barzell in the same number of games. They've each played 60 games. He's, he's 19 goals ahead of Barzell in the season, only two points ahead of him because Barzell more more – usually for a center uh, is doing what they're supposed to do and get that's getting a lot more assists than goals. He's got 34 of them. So they need more out of uh, both these guys. They got to be both around a point per game players in order for this team to contend. That didn't quite happen this season. Anders Lee has cooled off as well with only one goal in his last 10 outings. So his DFS value play is a bit uh, discounted of late. And uh, when, when you're not top guns are not scoring, that's when this team is going to suffer uh, over the long haul, and, and they have more often than not. Semyon Barlamov in goal, though, is making a good case for himself to uh, to make some noise with his career trajectory. He has got one more year and a $5 million cap hit. You wonder if some team is going to come calling in the offseason to say, you know what, we'll take him for a year and try to make good use of them going forward if they were looking at rehabbing their goaltending situation. The Islanders are a team that certainly should consider moving off him because they're, they're not going to go anywhere when, uh, when this guy's still viable in, in terms of his career. They still got some rebuilding to do. And I think that's a good piece for them to consider moving. They have some nice pieces there. I like the development of Noah Dobson this season. He's had a, a very nice uh, breakout campaign on the blue line here, something that was forecast for him some time ago. He's got 40 points on the season. That's a pretty good benchmark for a scoring defenseman. You want to reach that plateau year after year. And this is this is one year where he's done so, and he's done it with a plus nine on a team that's not one of the better teams in the league. So that is a credible uh, resume uh, reference point for a guy who has, has really broken out this season. Well, one of the better teams in the league uh, across the season has been the New York Rangers, but it was an inconsistent week for them. One, one and one was the record. The losses coming to the Islanders and the shootout loss to the Flyers bounce back with a win against New Jersey. And it's, it definitely has to be disappointing when you consider, you know, the week before that they had two wins over the Penguins. Uh, which is a team they're in a fight for, for, you know, who's going to be second, who's going to be third in, in the Metro. Um, they got the job done against Buffalo and Detroit, as you would expect. But coming into this last week with matchups against, you know, the Islanders, the Flyers and the Devils, you would have thought they would, you know, take all three and really set themselves up well in terms of the standings. And, and they did not do that. 
one of maybe the issues there is uh, they had six goals across those three games, and nobody scored more than one. Now, on one hand, you could say, well, I expect more goals over three games from Panarin and Kreider and Zabinijad. Um, but on the flip side, you could also point to the fact that they're getting depth scoring from guys like Andrew Kopp, Justin Braun, Ryan Strom, uh, who returned from injury, a, a good boost for them to get Strom back. I think it gives them a much uh, tougher top six and and then allows them to use Lafreniere and Cheeto, uh, uh or Hedo rather, on the, the third line here. So it gives them more options. Obviously, they're still without Capo Caco, Sammy Blay, Kevin Rooney. But I'm not sure any of those guys would really push for much more than a bottom six role. Maybe you'd consider moving Kako up, but with you know how well Vetrano and Cop have slid in here since the deadline, I'm not sure you really want to mess with that for, for the Rangers moving forward. And AJ, one other goalie situation that I was keeping my eye on has been solved in Ottawa. That's Anton Forsberg parlaying a very nice contract year uh, season into an extension. He just earned a three-year extension of $2.75 million. That's a great value for a guy, I think, who will be uh, the number one guy here throughout that term. So when you get to lock up a, a number one goalie in your fold for less than $3 million, you're doing good business. That was a solid piece of work for Ottawa, I thought, uh, over the last little while. So good on them. But on the ice, the troubles are that they can't keep some of their better players healthy. Drake Batherson may be the poster boy for that this year. He's out again after coming back just for a few games. And so there's no real news on, on the severity of his injury. But he's sidelined right now. And that means that they're looking for, for help uh, because he's been one of their key scorers when healthy. And they had a 3-0 and week last week. And AJ, it's worth pointing out, they were all divisional games. They were against teams in their part of the division, the lower part. But when you can win two games on the road in your division, you're doing something right. And Ottawa is doing something right here. They've got a good thing building, but they have to stay away from the infirmary a little bit better next year and continue to add pieces around some of the, the nice young players that they have in the fold here. They added one more at the trade deadline, picking up Matthew Joseph, and he's re- rewarded them with a nice offensive run of late, too, in terms of pacing the all-nights attack with with. Uh, nine points last week, AJ. So a uh, very good week for him. Brady Tuchuk with five points, Norris with six, Austin Watson, more known as a tough guy, maybe gets the first mention uh, in history of, of this show, uh, <laughs> three goals for himself last week. But Tim Stutz lays out the lineup as well after a three-point week. Uh, it's it's a day-to-day thing. And he, he actually might suit up for the next game. There is some possibility there. But Batherson is the more... Uh, interesting situation in terms of his status it's called an illness right now but no timetable on either guy it's concrete at the moment yeah yeah paul i did uh you you got there at the end i did want to point out that that batherson by all accounts is a is a non-covid illness and and so not uh i wouldn't anticipate that being long term um but yeah the bigger news stutzley um day to day with that that knee injury after that that knee on knee hit from nick suzuki of, of montreal um, so, you know, he finished that game and seemed like he was going to be good to go, but had some soreness after practice today, officially labeled a game time call for tonight in Philadelphia. I think, you know, the, the story continues to be, uh, Carter Hart, uh, one and two is the record this last week, the win coming from Marty Jones, the losses from Carter Hart, eight, four, two was the save percentage. I mean, it was not long ago 
that many people believed uh, that it was, you know, Carter Hart was finally the much awaited answer uh, to the Flyers longtime goal, you know, uh, goal problems. Instead, he's on a four game losing streak. He's given up three goals, four goals, and then six goals twice over that stretch. If you carry it, you know, back even further, he's got a couple more four goal allow games, two more five goal allow games uh, since the start of March. So really uh, a tough end to an already tough season. And it has, you know, there has to be questions being asked. Did, did we get duped by that one year? And, and are, you know, is this guy not really going to be our, our answer to the future? Uh, they've got him locked in for you know two more seasons after this one. Uh, Martin Jones certainly isn't the answer, so I'm not sure where they go from here, other than you know possibly you know uh, going into you know they've they've got maybe some prospects that could work. They could obviously look at free free agency, um, but it you know the 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 shine has worn off on Carter Hart at this point in two bad seasons. Uh, I think is should at least be raising some red flags there. And that may be the the oldest storyline in the history of our show, AJ. We've been talking about the troubles in the Philadelphia net for all of uh, the time that we've done this podcast, and that's not good news for Philadelphia fans. looks like it's continuing. Let's take a break, and we'll come back with our look at the key injury news and uh, get you ready for DFS plays as we get into the second half of Huckcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay, we're back on podcast, and I'm going to throw to my pal uh, and remind, get him to remind you how you stay in touch with us during the course of the week, and certainly looking ahead to the playoffs, you'll want to know what we're thinking when you develop your strategies for the postseason drafts that will be undoubtedly coming up soon. AJ, over to you. Yeah, absolutely. So as always, we encourage everybody to reach out on us um, via social media, primarily on Twitter. You can follow me at AJ Scholes 24. You can follow Paul at Stassman 22. And I wanted to update on something that we touched on last week. Um, looking ahead to the postseason, we're still a couple of weeks away from that. But we are going to be taking this podcast live on Twitter and Facebook. So on Facebook, it'll be the Rotowire account that we go live on. On Twitter, you can follow the NHL, the Rotowire NHL Twitter account. We'll obviously share that information out as we get closer to this. I'm still finalizing whether it'll be our last, you know, last uh, regular season show that we start this off, or if we're going to do a playoff special. Paul and I'll figure that out. But just wanted to bring that up again. We are going to go live uh, video. You can see our pretty faces um, on on RotoWire platforms heading in to the postseason here, and um, hopefully we can get some more interaction. We'd love to, you know perhaps be able to answer questions in real time for you. That would be certainly fun as you're p- filling out those postseason pools and trying to figure out where to go from there. Again, I can be found at AJ Scholes 24 and Paul is at Statsman 22. And one of the other benefits of going live and being a video as well as audio deal is we hope to, hope to share some of the vast array of resources that Rotowire has. And AJ is going to play tech, uh, tech department. <laughs> While we're talking, he's going to throw up some of these screens that we use on a weekly basis to get the best information that's out there to you as you do your hockey planning in the fantasy space too. AJ, we pick up with the Pittsburgh Penguins. A tough week for your squad. As I said, they had a, uh, their hands filled with Colorado, accounting for the two losses, but they did pick up a win last week. So all in all, you can't be too, too disappointed. 
everybody loses to Colorado and or certainly has this season. And they did get that win in the game, but they didn't have to face the NHL's top squad. So what else is going on in uh, the land of Pittsburgh? I mean, I disagree, Paul. Garbage week for the Penguins. Uh, you know, the last five games, you have two losses against the Rangers, which you can't have if you're going to try and, uh, you know, get number two in the division. Two losses to the the Avalanche. Again, if you want to play, you know, if you want to try and win the Stanley Cup this year, you may have to go through Colorado, whether you're in the East or the West. Um, it, it is trending in that direction. So I expected better games, better performances. And look, let's be honest, that win was against Detroit. Like, that counts for nothing. You went out, you did your job like you're supposed to. Um, I'm not I'm not wowed or impressed by that, despite the fact they put 11 goals on them. You the Penguins. Oh, that's a good win. <laughs> what? You beat Minnesota, too, didn't you? Four to three? Uh, nope. Nope. Oh. Pretty sure that wasn't us. I wish, I wish we had gotten some more wins in there. But, uh, no, I think it's just – Oh, you're right. We did beat Minnesota. See, I blocked that out because I was just so upset about the Rangers, the Rangers losses. You're right. We did beat Minnesota in there um, as well. But in terms of the team news, you know, the the one uh, kind of big one is it looks like Jason Zucker might play. Um, he had practiced uh, with the team in a regular jersey was in the second line uh, second line role, was up with the number two power play unit, but unfortunately he's not going to be ready to go tonight. Um, so we're kind of having to guess at what the line combinations are going to be here. Uh, my assumption is they will go back to the Jeff Carter on the left wing or, or right wing, whichever side they want to put him on, but they'll go back to Carter on the wing. Teddy Bluger is the third line center. And then one of Anthony Angelo, Redeem Zahorna, or Philip Hollander will slot in to the fourth line. Um, but it definitely seems like Zucker is getting close. Brock McGinn is joining the team uh, in a non-contact jersey, so he's probably still a few games away, but trending in the right direction. So things are getting better for Pittsburgh, but really uh, as nice as Ricard Raquel has been for an addition, I think they need to get Jason Zucker back if they're going to be a, you know, a, a Stanley Cup contending team. Uh, for Seattle, I'll dive right into them. One and two was the record this week. Uh, they're dealing with, you know, kind of this, the same injuries continue to linger. Jaden Schwartz is still out. He did not join the team on their most recent road trip. So we don't expect to see him until Saturday at the earliest. Um, of course, you know, they've been without Brandon Tanev all year long. Hayden Flurry picked up an injury as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been an interesting, uh, interesting look here at, at Seattle again, building for the future is the name of the game here. Um, and how they can, you know, turn, turn this team into a contender, how long it's going to take. Um, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. AJ in the nets. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens next in San Jose. As I look at cap friendly site, they've got two goalies signed for next season with NHL experience and James Reimer and Aiden Hill. But the guy that should be the guy that they build their team around is Kapo Kakinen. He's going to be a restricted free agent next year, coming off a $725,000, I guess you can call it the last year of an entry year level uh, contract for him. And so they've got a quandary in the nets to see what happens there. I'm sure Reimer and Hill, one of them is going to be back, but the other guy is going to be probably looking for work or maybe traded as a, a relatively inexpensive potential backup in a, in a good 
good teams set up. So uh, Bears watching to see how things unfold in terms of the net mining situation. They've got a lot of money tied up on the blue line here, AJ. Uh, their top three guys, uh, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, have both had nice seasons offensively and doing kind of what you want them to do when they're healthy, and that's score regularly. And actually the plus-minus situation on, on Eric Le- Carlson's ledger looks a lot better than it has in prior campaigns. So that used to be a bit of an albatross. Certainly the, the $19,500,000 that they've tied up in these guys over the next three, four years is uh, is really uh, something they're going to have to contend with in terms of building out the rest of their roster. But sorting out the goaltending situation is going to go a long way toward possibly maybe uh, creating opportunities elsewhere on this roster. In terms of what's going on on the ice, Thomas Hurdles had a very nice year and he too was another guy that benefited with a, with an extension on his contract situation too so they solved that issue over the long haul his average annual value on the deal is over eight million dollars and i think that's fair he would have got that on the open market and uh, he's only 28 years old so they're going to get the best years out of him uh, they usually come in late 20s and early 30s so they've locked up a guy who's been the centerpiece of this team for a long while Logan Couture, also an $8 million cap hit. So you can see this is a team that's locked up five, four guys. That You talk about the Leafs spending a lot of money on big guys. They've done that in San Jose, and neither team has really had a lot of success on the ice. So that, to me, is a bit of a telltale sign in terms of the money management side of the NHL that we don't talk about too, too much. Uh, we want to talk about what's going on on the ice, but really your, your fate is kind of guided by the way that the money is managed and, San Jose may not, will not, likely not make the postseason. So uh, you're spending that kind of money and not getting a return. That's the story in, in uh, that beautiful part of California. Well, and I think we should mention, Paul, I'm not sure if you caught this, but uh, Doug Wilson is going to step down as the general manager for the San Jose Sharks. Um, big change for them. Doug Wilson has been there forever, um, but they're going to have uh, somebody new come in and lead them into the future here as they uh, try to, you know, like you said, kind of rebuild, rebuild that organization in St. Louis uh, three and one was the record this last week and a ton of offense from uh, some of their, some of their guys here. When you think Pavel Buchnevich, seven points, Robert Thomas, the same uh, Braden Shen, Ivan Barbashev with six and five respectively. And the blue liners not to be left out here either. Justin Falk picks up five points. Uh, Nick Letty with three assists in, in those last four games. And look, I, I said I wasn't sure that Letty was the answer. I'm still not totally convinced he is, um, but he's looked really good. He's got uh, points in, in three straight games, a total of five points in nine contests for the Blues. Um, so obviously playing on a better team has helped them. If they can get Tory Krug back here at some point, he's still labeled week to week. No clear guidance above and beyond that. But if they can get Tory Krug back, this could be a really deep offensive uh, blue line that would have, you know, Falk, Letty, and Krug all able to produce offensively. A couple more shutdown-oriented guys like Bertuzzo and Pareko to kind of pair up with. And it might be a really tough defensive uh, six-pack here to, to play against. And AJ in Tampa, I don't know if it's just me or the people that I'm listening to locally, but they're painting a picture that Tampa might be vulnerable. Uh, when you look at Take a deeper dive here. You look at a team that has won only a couple of games in regulation time over their last 10 starts, and that's not 
like the two-time defending champions, and they got waxed in a head-to-head matchup against a team that may face them in the playoffs this season, and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs. They they bombed them six to two, and that was with Vasilevsky in goal. And so I don't know if they're getting Leaf, Leafs fans' hopes up. I'm trying to keep a level head myself, but it's a challenge when you see an outcome like that. And I watched the game. I couldn't believe how one-sided it was, really. And then you look deeper into the stats on Tampa's side, and two guys that we know as our signature players of their offense, uh, Nikita Kucherov sports a minus nine. Raiden Point, his line mate, spots a minus six. Those aren't in the last couple of weeks. That's over the regular season. Your best players should have a positive plus minus and particularly when you're a two-time defending champion. Not too many people talking about the defensive issues that have arisen in the last little while. In the three losses that they suffered last week, for instance, they gave up a total of 14 goals against. Again, very un-Tampa-like. So they had some questions there, in my opinion, that are slowly being... It's like a Band-Aid being pulled off, I guess, uh, to show this stuff most recently. But you wonder if this is a red herring to suck people like me in thinking that Toronto has a shot again. (laughs) Well, speaking of Toronto, uh, look, uh, the offense is just ridiculous right now. In in their last five games, they have a minimum of six goals. They had the seven spot against Winnipeg as well. Um, Unfortunately, the six goals weren't enough against Florida, but I'm sure they won't be the uh, only team to discover that against the Panthers heading into the the, tail end of the season here. Jack Campbell is back. That's the big, uh, you know, big news on that side. Paul, I'll let you take it from there. Uh, do they even need a goaltender? Can they just put one of those shooter tutors out there when they're capable of putting up six goals a game? Well, I know a guy who won a DFS uh, slate this week without using a goalie, so maybe that can happen with the Leafs on the ice. AJ, you did uh, win without a goalie. Uh, being productive in your DFS lineup in the week. So congrats on that. I did need to use Mitch Marner to do it. So maybe that's something. Uh, Yeah, A reminder to everybody, go back and make sure you have the right goalie in. Because when you have Shesterkin in, and uh, I'm blanking on their other goalie's name, but when they start the backup goalie. Yes. When they start Georgiev again and you have Shesterkin in, that's going to be a big fat zero for you. But uh, with, yeah, with Marner playing, it, it didn't turn out so bad. No, it didn't. And speaking of Marner, he is one of two guys that is just ripping the league apart. Austin Matthews, the other, uh, in fact, Austin Matthews' next tally will set a club record for the Maple Leafs. He's tied right now with Rick Vive at 54 as a single season high in Toronto club history. I think odds are that he breaks it tonight and they present him in front of the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night. That's a new single-season uh, league record for a Maple Leaf player in, in the club's 100-year history. So good on them. I hope they can do it in the playoffs. But John Tavares is a guy who's been performing in their shadow, along with Willie Nylander. They're the two other guys that make up a quartet who account for almost half of the league's, league's salary cap. And uh, there's been a spocky and eye on Tavares and Nylander for much of the season. Tavares, though, for his part, over the last... 15 games, has been a point-a-game player, what we've seen from him through his entire career. Willie Nylander seems to have snapped out of a funk, too, and uh, both of those guys feature with the aforementioned two two guys to make up the hottest power play in the league. But beyond that, they're getting contributions from everywhere, and I think their third line is going to be a key in this postseason when you consider that Engvall and... uh, Engvall, Kampf, and Mikhaev are three guys that can skate with anybody. Kampf, one of the better face-off 
play uh, centers in the league in terms of win percentage, too. The Leafs are number one in the league in that category. So the third line for me will be a key role for this club. They've been outstanding in, in uh, defensive situations and on the PK when they're using these guys. They use all three of them. And the club leads the league with a dozen shorthanded goals on the regular season. Well, we'll uh, head over to, to Vegas here, a two-in-one week for them. And look, the the notes on Vegas is going to continue to be the injury front, and can they get healthy here? Nolan Patrick, Max Pacioretty, Brett Howden, William Carrier, Riley Smith, Mark Stone, Nicholas Haig, and Laurent Brossois all dealing with injuries. Um you know, it's 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 going to be a lot to handle. They've been rolling with seven defensemen because they don't really have the cap space to call more people up unless they shift somebody to LTIR. Um, so they, they've had to rely on seven defensemen lately. Uh, they they need to get healthy. That's that's going to be the key here. And if they don't, um, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. It's as simple as that. They're one point behind Dallas right now for the wild card spot. But as I mentioned earlier, they, uh, you know, they Dallas and Nashville both have three games in hand on Vegas. So uh, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. They're probably, you know, at, at this point, they need some help. Um, I haven't looked at their schedule. I don't know uh, whether or not they have games against Dallas and Nashville left that could help them kind of sway things in, in that direction. Um, they could obviously still catch L.A. potentially, Um you know, they're, they're uh, not that far off. Uh, looks like four points off of L.A. Uh, with an equal number of games. So a, a third in the Pacific's not out of the question either. But Vegas has some work to do, and it all starts and ends with getting healthy here. And, A.J., I know you were anxious to jump the gun and talk about Vegas because at the beginning of the season you made a call that caused you a lot of grief in terms of the fallback and feedback that you got, including one of our, our most notable supporters of the show that's uh real kid poker daniel negrano came out came after you and you know you can write about all the injuries vegas has dealt with this year that put them in this circumstance but at the end of it when you look at this club's history years from now and you look at this season all it's going to say is miss the playoffs it's not going to say miss the playoffs because we had eight players out they it'll say miss the playoffs because aj schultz said so and that's <laughs> the bottom line. So kudos to you for that call. And anybody who listened to you and bet on it is going to be wealthier at the end of the season. I don't know how Vegas holds off contenders. Because as, I, as you said, they've played more games than a couple of teams that are nipping at their heels. And so uh, with that, I get to do a couple of teams in a row, partner, before you finish out uh, the roster here on your side. But the Vancouver Canucks, with the aforementioned Bruce Boudreaux, had a 1-1-1 and record there. One of the teams that has a long shot at a playoff spot still, and they're they're in that position because their top guys have tried to pull them into this race. Thatcher Demko has been outstanding in the Nets. They had a one-one and one week, but they're getting a great production out of their offensive leaders. J.T. Miller's been a revelation for this club, and uh, and a guy that they're very grateful that they didn't consider trading at the deadline while there were so many rumors around him. He's just been a star for this club. And I think the unquestioned team leader as the season has unfolded. So uh, a guy that they'll build this team around going forward, Mark and Elias Pedersen, a guy who has overcome injury woes uh, last season and, and come back with a vengeance this season after a bit of a blip and uh, really 
looking like the star player that he was a couple of seasons ago, AJ, and partnered with Bo Horvat gives him a very nice-looking one-two punch up front. But they're also finally starting to get some production on the back end from Oliver ekman Larson. They brought him in as a, a older scoring-type defenseman. He had three assists to pad his stats, and he's been a key to the, the fact that this team is still in the hunt for a possible postseason berth. Now I get to finish out my half of the roster, AJ, with a look at the Washington Capitals. Alexander Ovechkin hit a, yet another career mar- milestone last week with a three-point week that included his 1,400 NHL point. Funny that his career dovetails with Sidney Crosby's over their history. They'd been, they were the top two picks in their entry-level la- uh, year, uh, entry-draft year, I should say, and uh, They're only separated by three total points. We all know about the goal-scoring exploits of Ovechkin, but Crosby's right there with him in terms of total points. And I don't think you can say that about the one-two in any draft season. So it's incredible the story that both of those guys have written to date. And I'm glad that they're both looking at uh, a few more years in the league and we should really enjoy what we get out of them. Uh, Ovi's really been a treat to watch and continues to be that guy on the power play. You know where he's going to set up on the wing. And he seems to get open every single time this, this team sets up on the power play. I don't know what it is, but it certainly has been working forever. And it's one of the reasons that even though Washington's going to be in that crossover position, possibly in the uh, at the end of the regular season, I don't think Florida's looking forward to playing them if the current standings hold up. Well, I will mention, Paul, it, it seems like they entered the same year. But uh, because of the lockout, Ovi got that first year lost. But uh, actually, he is... Uh, Ovi was an 04 draft pick, uh, not an 05 with Sidney Crosby. Um, I will point out, too, uh, just kind of interesting. Ovechkin, 1401 and 265 games. Crosby, 1397 and 1098 games. So if you want to go by point per game, it's clear to me who the better player is. But I digress. Um, <laughs> in Winnipeg, it was an 0 and 3 week. And let's be honest, that has. Put the nail in the coffin as far as I'm concerned as of them chasing down a playoff spot. Is it totally impossible? No. But, again, they've played two more games in Dallas and Nashville. Uh, They are seven points behind for a wild card spot with both Vancouver and Vegas in between. Um, So that just a real bad week. Connor Hellybuck continues to play more games than anybody else in the league. And I would expect that to continue to carry forward. Um, When you look at the games played, he's sitting at 59 right now. That's ahead of UC Saros and Thatcher Demko. Um, But he just hasn't been good enough this year. 291 is the goals against average. That's a career worst for Hellubuck. Obviously the team around him has not been phenomenal either. Um, so you can't put all the blame on him, but uh, Winnipeg did everything they could this last week to eliminate themselves um, from you know, playoff contention. And AJ uh, should be mentioned too, Evgeny Malkin was factored into the early part of those careers as well. I think he was involved in the Ovechkin draft if memory serves. Is that correct? Yeah. So Ovechkin was second uh, in the, uh, in the Ovechkin draft. Yeah. That's kind of interesting how those three players are intertwined in, in terms of their the length of their careers and when it started and so on. Uh, we turn now to our DFS segment, pal. And uh, I, I got to say, I've made some money for people this year in terms of my picks, and you have too. So it bears listening uh, to what's going on next. And we are pleased that at least I can still come up with teams 
but I can't play them in Ontario with the current laws. DFL, DFS has been forbidden now for me going forward. I'm going to miss that part of it, but I can still come up with lineups so other people can win. And being the altruistic guy that I am, I'm into that too. So, <laughs> so I will come up with my uh, my FanDuel lineup and hope that people win money on it. And uh, the way I looked at it, it begins for me with uh, who have the miss, who have the likeliest mismatches out there. Carolina looks like they should be a heavy favorite against Buffalo and Vancouver against Arizona should be a team that handles that bit of business as well. Chicago should take out a visiting Seattle club. So those are hints that I use to build the following lineup at center. I went with Dawson Mercer. He's actually playing wing uh, in the New Jersey lineup, but for FanDuel purposes, he's listed at center AJ. So I got him in there for $4,500 against the Montreal Canadiens tonight. And uh, I partner him with a second-line center on Carolina, Vinny Trocek, who's had a very nice year for the Hurricanes and as a guy that can be counted on to be one of the better distributors of the puck in that lineup. And they built a pretty solid second line around him. He cost $5,300. Then the two centerpieces of my team, guys that we mentioned uh, often this year and have been lighting up like nobody else in the last two months, this is the reason why I got so many cheap players so I can fit in Johnny Gaudreau and Mitch Marner on the wing for $9,500 and $9,800 respectively. So you can see that I've earned, earned a lot of money there, but the way those guys are producing, they're both producing like two players and uh, uh, a normal pace. So I'll take at least one of them to explode tonight, maybe both in, in favorable matchups that I see Calgary at San Jose and the Leafs at Dallas on a night where I think there could be some fireworks there too. In terms of the rest of the offensive pieces, I look at Tanner Pearson. He's playing first-line minutes for Vancouver and doing it very well of late with a nice scoring streak. Still, he only costs $4,300 in that circumstance against Arizona. So sign me up for that, and that balances off some of the big money that I spent. And I echo the same comment with Marty Netzcash with Carolina. Another guy, he's going to partner with Trocek on that second unit. So a mini stack there, if you will. And I get him in the lineup for $4,500. On the blue line... I spent a little more than I normally would for one of the pieces, but Damon Severson is a guy who's been producing regularly from the Devils on their back end with a $5,200 price tag against Montreal. I think he pads those stats. He's averaged over 10.5 FanDuel points per game all season long, and I think that's his floor tonight. And the uh, second defenseman that I use is Jacob Slavin. He gets that favorable matchup against Buffalo. He's been on a scoring tear himself, and he I, I paid $5,100 for him. He, too, is averaging around 10.5 points, and I see that as his floor tonight. So I'm counting on, on my two big wingers and two higher-than-average price defensemen that I don't usually go for to be the key parts of this team. In the Nets, I had to go cheap, and I figure that Chicago is a likely winner against the visiting Seattle club that's really struggling even more than the Hawks down the stretch. It's two bad teams that are facing one another, but I'll go with the home side and hope that Kevin Lankinen can shut the door and pay off at $6,800, the cheapest goalie price that I've paid all season long, partner. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Paul, while I go through my lineup, I'll give you a minute to consider a uh, little shuffle for Carolina today. Martin Neckash is on the fourth line with Martinuk and Stepan. The second line is going to be uh, Teravane and Trocek and Domi. So I'll give you a couple minutes while I go through my lineup to decide if you want to change that or not. And we'll revisit it uh, for everybody out there. For me, uh, kind of a similar strategy. Teams that have roll, been rolling with good matchups here. I'm going to start with Sebastian Ajo, 7,000. Just Carolina's been so good. There's no way they're going to lose to Buffalo two games in a row, especially when you consider this one's at home. I expect a big game from all of them, similar to you. 
So I'll pay up for Ajo. Again, similar to you, slightly different player. I'm going to go with Elias Lindholm for Calgary at 6,900 here. He's centering that Gaudreau to Chuck line. I think that's a good spot for him to be in. Um, He's got points in his last three games. He's got uh, five goals in his last seven, so really um, producing well there. Uh, similarly, I didn't go quite as crazy high as you did here, Paul, but I did have to spend down a little bit um, on the wing positions. The first one, a bit of a throwaway, but a strategic throwaway is what I'll say. Alex Kerfoot comes in at 2,900. He's going to be with Tavares and Mikhev on that uh, on that second line. He does have two goals in the last five games, eight shots over that stretch. So really at 2,900, you're talking about you know like two, three shots, maybe a block or two, and that's probably fair if you can pick up an assist or uh, perhaps even a goal, just bonus from there. And then I'll go with Sharon Govich for the Devils. I love the matchup here against Montreal playing at home. There was some concern that he was going to miss out um, after getting hurt uh, in a, a scrum, as it were, a Donny Brook, if you will. Um, but 3,900 for a top line center who's going to probably be on the number one power play, plays alongside Nico Heischer and Jasper Bratt, plus a great matchup with Montreal. I like him there. Uh, my other winger here is Artemi Panarin at 5,800. The Rangers have just owned the Penguins of late, as I mentioned earlier, Panarin's been a key cog in that. Now I mentioned that, you know, everybody just had one goal uh, over the last week here, but Panarin actually has four multi-point games in his last five outings, uh, getting plenty of assists, plenty of shots in there as well with uh, four of those seven assists he's had in that five game stretch coming with the man advantage. So a really good spot for him there. Utility-wise, I'm going to go to the Penguins and use Jake Gensel here at 6,500, uh, 6, rather. It's been a little bit of a quieter stretch for him, all things considered. But, um, you know, if, in terms of, of goals for what he's been used to, just two goals in his last seven games. But he does have multiple points in back-to-back contests against Colorado. Um, so going up against the Rangers, not going to get any easier for him there. But I think a good spot to utilize him with his price tag being that low. Defensively, I'm going to go back to Adam, uh, back to the Rangers with Adam Fox at 6100, um, and use him. We've talked about Adam Fox all year long. He is a huge piece of that power play unit and should continue to produce for them. I'll go with Toronto's Jake Muzzin at 2700, uh, a really cheap option to get some minutes here for them. Has looked pretty good uh, in in a short time period back. Uh, from injured reserve, picked up that goal, four shots, seven hits, four blocks in that one game back. Now, it was a high-scoring game, 13 goals between Toronto and Florida in that one, but I still think it's a good opportunity to use Jake Muzzin, even if he's not getting power play opportunities. And then my goalie, I'm going to go a, a little bit higher in the price range here, go with Thatcher Demko, comes in at 8200 He is on the road. He has been playing a decent amount, but going up against Arizona, which over the last two weeks has had the worst offense in the league, just have not been able to score goals. So I think uh, Demko, a good opportunity to get a win here in this one. So that's how I stacked up my uh, my DraftKings lineup. 
Paul, are we keeping Martin Nekash in uh, or are we going to switch him out for somebody? Well, with that bit of news that you came up with, I quickly looked at the Carolina roster and I know that Domi's going to play that second line role and cost about the same money. So I can make that switch and I think I will if they hold true. And I have no reason to doubt that because Rotowire's crack staff featuring you gets these lineups right way more often than uh, any other source that I that I would even consider. So I'm making that switch, buddy. Sounds good. All right. And with that, you know, it was nice how you talked about Muzzin. You got another shot in at the least. You're very clever that way. Right? <laughs> I'm to hand it to you. I like that. <laughs> in any case, uh, we wrap up another great week in the NHL. And boy, I can taste it, partner. In a couple of weeks, we'll be talking about the serious shooting. And I can't wait for the first round of the Eastern Conference. I know you feel the same way. Just be careful how quickly and how fast you say serious shooting, Paul. We would hate to uh, get a uh, expletive rating on our on our show here. <laughs> oh, well, you might get an expletive rating if the Leafs bow out in the first round again. <laughs> People want to tune tune into that episode. I'll tell you, uh, but uh, we won't be going that route uh, this show. Uh, I can guarantee. And uh, that wraps up our look around the league uh, for another week of the podcast with Statsman and AJ. Thanks for listening to Rotoviers Signature Fantasy Hockey Podcast. In the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman. 22 and you can follow aj at aj shoals 24 that's aj s-c-h-o-l-z 24 as always we invite you to listen in to podcasts to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research so long everybody